And I just had kind of an epiphany one day where I was like, you know, am I going to be doing this when I'm 30? Great. What about when I'm 40? What about when I'm 50? You know, trading time for money, time for money. Um, so I wanted to create something passive and coffee, you know, that root of coffee had kind of always been there. The seed was planted. And uh, I think it was just kind of in the back of my brain and we brought it to the forefront. And I decided one day, this is kind of the journey I want to go down. And off we, we rode into the sunset. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's The Wolf. Today on the show, we have Craig Avira and Rose White, the co-founders of Cali Coffee. Cali Coffee is an emerging drive-through franchise that is starting to explode and pick up steam based out of Florida. We talk all things about drive-through coffee, the culture, and how it differentiates largely from national competitors like Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks. Craig and Rose are only a few years into their franchise journey, but they share some wild and impressive stats about their company, about how much their customers love their brand, and how successful their franchise launch has been thus far. Craig and Rose are onto something big with building a franchise brand, and I'm excited to watch this franchise grow. I think you'll enjoy hearing from them. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by The Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Struggling to find great talent for all your restaurants? WiseHire makes it easy. Their expert hiring coaches and world-class tools and resources help your locations hire right every time. Learn more at wisehire.com slash pod. Alrighty, folks. So, guys, thanks for coming on. Super cool brand you have. Do you kind of want to just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourselves and like how you guys met and what you were doing professionally before you ended up founding Cali Coffee? Yeah, thanks for having us. It's an honor to be here. We're super excited to talk coffee. We always love talking coffee. So I grew up in Oregon. Um, I basically grew up drinking coffee. It's as common as water where I grew up. And, uh, you know, even the drive through coffee industry itself was something that I had kind of seen as a kid, as a teenager and, and growing up. And it, it became my first job. So I started coffee like the roots way back when and kind of fell in love with that. But where Rose and I actually met was in L.A. So we moved out to California I'm from Pennsylvania, but I went to USC. So I transferred from Penn State to USC, um, majored in kinesiology. And so we met actually at an event that he was coaching at the time. He had like a bunch of A-list. He was a personal trainer for a bunch of celebs and uh, was at this gym called Brick. And I was going to USC, found the gym, started training there, became a coach. And uh, that's how we met in the fitness world. Very cool. So did you guys, did you go from fitness to Cali coffee or they're kind of like some road that eventually you guys said, you know what, let's start our own coffee franchise. Yeah. So that kept, we were happy. Like LA was great. You know, we were in our twenties. It was just, it's a great place to be when you're in your twenties, but it's very easy to get sucked in that life. And it's also very socially acceptable to be like 
50 or 60 out there acting like a 20 year old. <laughs> People are like, ah, it's cool, man. It's LA. It's fine. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get sucked into this like vortex, you know? And, and I think there's going to be a timeline, especially for fitness, that industry, you know, like, like she said, I had some great clients. Money was good for LA, but uh, it was increasingly getting more and more expensive. And I just had kind of an epiphany one day where I was like, you know, am I going to be doing this when I'm 30? Great. What about when I'm 40? What about when I'm 50? You know, trading time for money, time for money. Um, so I wanted to create something passive and coffee, you know, that root of coffee had kind of always been there. The seed was planted. And uh, I think it was just kind of in the back of my brain and we brought it to the forefront. And I decided one day, this is kind of the journey I want to go down. And off we, we rode in the sunset. Yeah. And once he decides on something, it's, like game over. So I remember the day in LA, like in his apartment, him saying like, I'm going to move back home. I'm going to get into coffee again. And I really didn't understand that whole coffee culture yet because I'm from the East coast and it's such a coast thing, like the drive to coffee stands. So I was like, okay, like I knew Duncan and Starbucks, but I never really knew what he Duncan did. team Duncan, baby. Hell yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's really all we know on the East coast, you know, and so he was like, no, it's like, it's this whole culture. It's like an amazing community. And I know I can kind of take that and make it my own. And so he was like, I'm moving to Oregon. And at that time, we'd only been dating for like three months. And I was like, I'm coming with you. Let's do it. So yeah, I, I was surprised she wanted to come. She was all in. Yeah. So I was with him. And uh, he just kind of like showed me the culture. We, we saw a bunch of like, or I was able to see a bunch of these like kind of drive through coffee stands. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane it's on every single corner like we don't have this on the east coast i wanted to ask so like i'm like rose I'm from the northeast um i'm a big duncan fan if anyone from duncan is listening to this i would love to be a brand partner but <laughs> i'm paying attention obviously there's the drive-through coffee franchises there's starting to be a few pop up like i found one called seven brew a few months ago if you know them but yeah, I want to key and kind of, Craig, I, can you kind of explain this drive through coffee culture? Because I imagine a lot of folks haven't experienced it yet if they're not from the West Coast. And Oregon is where Dutch Bros got started, right? Exactly. Yes. 92. And I was born in 87. So I kind of came up along the same time. And, and it, it, I don't even know if they were the first one. I'm not sure. But they definitely were the ones that sort of rose, you know, from the, the ashes the quickest and uh, created kind of a revolutionary concept. And uh, others you know, did similar things out in Oregon. Again, it's like you drive a mile and you, you may see five of them. You might see seven. I actually, we went back to Salem, Oregon, uh, which is right outside where I grew up. And I remember there was literally a parcel where there were two in the same parking lot. Like when you pulled in, you could have the option to go to either one and they kind of circle through. It's crazy, man. And some are so small that if you reach out your arms, like you're touching all walls in there and they maybe do, you know, 50 drinks a day. Who knows? It's like you could build it in a day type of shack. And then others are these like coffee cathedrals, you know, which is kind of what we're going for. And they just do insane amounts of volume. And they're very similar in concept where it's really not like a, it's not a cafe. Like you don't walk in, you don't have this low lights and the guy with a mustache, like twirling around and, you know, with like an apron on. It's like high energy, like let's go. We'll get you happy even before you get your drink type of vibe. That's what we go for. Sick. I'm Cause I'm just trying to, Maybe Rose can touch on it because, like, you know, the typical, like, it's basically Starbucks or Dunkin' for the most part in the Northeast. Like, I'm just driving through. Like, can people, is there, like, a pickup window, too? When Yeah, so you can either drive through or walk up in, in any of our stands. That's how we lay them out. Um, you don't come inside at all. And so when you drive through, everyone says it's, like, the Chick-fil-A model. But our employees do come out with an iPad to take your order. So there's no speaker box. We don't believe in that at all. Everything is very face-to-face, -face, very personal. But our employees are just... 
everything, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a million times, but yep. like if you read any of our reviews, the first thing that people touch on, the last thing they touch on, and what they just like keep saying again and again is, oh my God, the employees were so nice. The customer service was insane. So when you drive up to Cali Coffee, like some super like energetic, happy looking person is going to walk out and be like, hey, Pat, what's up, man? How you doing? Like, it's your first time. Oh my God. And then like take you through the menu. So it's kind of an experience in itself. You get to the window. Yeah. Then you get to the window. The person on window is so excited to meet you as well. Then they hand out your drink. And then the other option would just be to walk up to like the walk-up window in the front. And it creates like this allure almost because nobody can come inside. So they're kind of peeking in, trying to see what's going on behind the curtain. And you never really know it's behind the veil. It's just coffee magic behind the closed yeah. door. Yeah. We'll slide up, Anytime you want to come, we'll give you the grand score. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so like I'm looking at the website too. And I mean, you've got the colors and the branding, like it's amazing. You got LA water, gold rush. There's some Valentine drink that looks like a pink masterpiece. Is that part of the vibe of just all, like if you're a drive-through coffee franchise or chain, like, cause Dutch bros, like that's kind of what they've been known for. At least I think, right. It's like, they don't just have, it's not like Duncan. I get a medium iced black coffee and I love it, but it, you know, it doesn't look anything like the drinks that I'm seeing on your website. So is that kind of part of the whole vibe and experience? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, what sets us apart from like the Starbucks and the Duncan is just like this really fun, innovative, like you're not intimidated by our menu. We want people to feel, you know, it looks delicious. They look at it. They're like, Oh my gosh, like this looks awesome. But can I do this instead? So that's one thing about us is that you can customize anything as well. So like you, if you wanted to come get your black coffee, you could get it. Totally. It would taste amazing. But then someone who's kind of intimidated by that, like, coffee lingo, like the cappuccinos and, you know, all the stuff, we don't ever want them to feel that way. So we want it to be fun and just really, you know, attractive. Yeah. Anyone. A lot of shops kind of create this, like, pretentiousness. Like, if you don't order it perfectly or you don't order the right thing, they kind of, like, give you this, like, you know, this, like, snarl. Like, okay, you're that guy. You're ordering that drink. I get it. Like, here you go. Yeah. We like, we're the opposite. We call ourselves like the anti-coffee shop coffee shop where it's like, we really like engage the customer and the product just happens to be coffee that we serve. But really it's about creating the experience, developing relationships that are ongoing. And it's crazy because with coffee, like it's something that people do. It's very repetitive, you know, like a restaurant you're going to go to maybe once and then you go back maybe a month later or whatever it is. But uh, with coffee, like people find their routine and they like, they find their shop, they drink and they just go back to it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a very ritualistic like exercise. So I, I completely agree. I do hear you on the cultural aspect. I think that's an interesting one because, yeah, I guess the majority of coffee drinkers aren't trying to be, you know, the Fenty latte expert or whatever. I, for one, am not. I'm honestly a little petty. It's dire circumstances if I'm in a Starbucks but if I am, I just refuse to use the lingo. So I, I love that you guys just don't force that on people. Yeah, we're like small, medium, large. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. That's what I say. I'm just like, I have a large. Like, I'm not playing the other game. There's a movie. Where I forget what movie it is. Paul Rudd, and he orders like a large, and the barista's giving him a hard time. Like, oh, you mean a venting? He's like, ah. <laughs> I forget what movie it is, but I keep, people have said I, that to me all the time. I've probably seen it. I've seen like every Paul Rudd movie, but that, that's a perfect scene for that guy. All right, well, that's, Super interesting to like learn more about this whole drive-through craze. So let's talk about the franchise and like getting it started, I guess. Did you open the first corporate store in 2019? 2018. Yeah, 2018 was our Hollywood store. And then 2021 was our second. Yeah. Yeah. 
we opened number two, 2021, and then uh, number three opened uh, 2022. 2022 in May. Yeah. yeah we're building four right now, and uh, it's going to be a combination of corporate and franchise locations for those four. And then we have several more in the pipeline that are either we've signed leases or pre-development going through approvals in the city. Cause we do, we go the hard route. Like there's a lot of franchises who can go into an inline space that's existing. You know, they go into a grocery store, right? And they find, oh, there's 1200 square feet. Great, I'm gonna lease that out. Oh, they already have AC on the roof. Great, I can be open in three months maybe. And for us, it's, it's very, very opposite of that. But I think the way we do it uh, helps drive revenue because we build everything the way we want it to be built. So there's a lot of uniformity in that sense, but we became land developers really before we became business owners. Um, when we found the Hollywood location, basically it was a piece of grass, three quarters of an acre. And we were like, oh, how hard could this be? We'll be open in four months still. Yeah. We had this no be great. This be Yeah, two years <laughs> later, still fighting the city, going through all this stuff. I almost lost my mind, you know, just yeah. going insane. Because nobody warns you for it. They don't tell you how to prep for it. And there's no defense timeline either. So you're just like, are we going to be open? Like ever? This is crazy. It was the first one was very arduous. It was, it was tough, but Hollywood was so hard, so expensive and so time consuming, but I think I'm glad it was that way because we did it the hardest you could out of the gate. And we learned so much through that experience that doing Cooper city and Pemmer pines in our, in our you know, next couple of stores, nothing seemed as hard as that. Cause yeah. that was just insane the way we did that. So I think it was like a blessing in disguise in that way. And like Craig said, we became land developers, we became permit runners, we became walk-in cooler builders because no one knew how to do that. So it's like, we just had to learn everything when really we just thought we were going to be making coffee. You end up doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is like what happens when you first jump in. And that's the benefit, right, for franchisees is now you guys uh, have done it enough where you, you can walk them through what it's going to be like. So I could imagine that was difficult. So I, I want to talk about the real estate. But before that, like just even in like your along the lines of opening up that first store, you know, did you guys do the branding yourself, the drinks, right? I mean, did either of you guys like, did you just spend time in like a kitchen and, and just mess around? Like, how did you, how did you do all of it? Let me brag about Craig for a second and then I'll have him expand on it. But yeah, so he taught himself so our first vacation took so long that we had months of just like nothing that we were able to do. So he taught himself Illustrator and he did all of the branding, everything himself. And so like our, you know, our logos, our menu design, um, everything you see is him, which is just like crazy because not a lot of people do it themselves. So yeah, we can expand on that. Yeah, I mean, she's right. It was, it was kind of the only saving grace to avoid just going totally insane during that waiting period. So there were a lot of, I had so many ideas, right? So many like things I wanted to get on the paper and, and this is how I want this to look and that to look and that to feel and this vibe needs to exude from that. And it was hard, you know, I, I looked for graphic artists and I was like, even if I find someone who's great at it, I don't think they're going to get, and I could have been wrong, but I was like, I don't think they're going to get what I want the first time around. And then I'm just going to get frustrated. So let me just teach myself how to do it. Then anytime I want something done, I can replicate it, create it, do it myself. And so we bootstrapped that part of it for a long time. And, uh, it was super fun. You know, the journey of that was just an experience that we didn't expect to have happen. And uh, it was great. Now we do have some help and we, you know, we have people that do help out, but you know, a lot of it, uh, we did create the drink names were super fun. That was another yeah. thing that <laughs> that was just fun bouncing names off. Like, yeah, obviously we wanted the California vibe and it fits. California is just such, you always said, such a sexy place to people that aren't from there that, it just works so well down here and it had the, you know, the sunshine and the palm trees and that whole vibe. 
big names like you know Gold Coast and Gold Rush and Hollywood, like that all just fit really well. Yeah, little ties back. That's actually, I think, a really good lesson in branding there. And like, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey and I ended up having a relative. My brother went to school in San Diego, so I ended up getting to visit there quite a few times. But prior to that, I mean, even still, because like I've never like really lived there or anything. But um, yeah, California is this kind of just foreign, like sexy place that a lot of people, even if you don't want to be out there, it's like cool. It's a cool place. So I think it's tougher with other states, maybe, but California just happened to work. So yeah. we ran with it. That's awesome. Yeah. And honestly, that, that probably plays into why In N Out has such a cult because, like, they're so slow to expand and they have the California vibe as well. I bet you that, yeah, it's definitely a part of it. Huge fan of In N Out. Maybe my right arm even to, to get one out here in Florida. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Well, so real estate wise, because this is something I realized like when I um, saw, when I discovered Seven Brew, that uh, this other, there are new emerging franchises as well, Drive Through Coffee. The actual like building is very small, which I'd imagine, right, for you guys, you know, relative to like other brick and mortar franchises where you need like a couple thousand square feet. But because it's drive through only, you do kind of need that plot of land. Like it's not going into strip mall necessarily. So yeah, can you just walk through like, you said before, three quarters of an acre, you know, like, yeah, do you, if a franchisee is evaluating this concept, like, do they need an acre of land? Is there like a minimum threshold that they can find? And we give them a range for sure. Like, uh, Hollywood again, since it was our first one became a very good data point of like what, what works here, what's too big, what's too small. Everything with Hollywood was kind of too small. We ended up developing, it was a three quarter acre lot, but we ended up taking about, it reduced to about two thirds of an acre or a little less after we developed a, a shared parking lot with us and a neighboring hotel. It helped us kind of reduce some of those initial costs, which was a big factor in the beginning. So we we shrank the footprint of that three quarter acre lot down to about two thirds of an acre and built our 600 square foot first store right there, which we soon found out again, like comparing that to like Dutch Bros or Seven Brews, some of these other concepts, that's really kind of in line with what they do build or used to build. Um, we found it to be too small. So our new prototype is, is significantly larger. And we found a couple things with that. Um, Kind of moving forward is just that it, it sort of creates a legitimacy too. Like my theory is if you see something even subconsciously, if you see two coffee shops here and there across the street, and one of them is just a little bit bigger, a little bit more like just substantial. Yeah, yeah substantial. Just yeah. gives you that sort of like, hey, I'm here. I just think, you know, if you've never been to either of them, you may pick that one first and then we have a chance to capture that audience first time. Another thing is like we really didn't find a huge cost difference in building a 600 square foot building versus like a 1200 square foot building. The, this, the economy of scale really doesn't change a whole lot because our plumbing's the same, our electrical's the same, mechanical's the same. We're just a little more blocked and you could really fit that same building on the same plot of land. Yeah. So we, we do go a little bit bigger than those the other players, but um, as far as like the parcel size goes, we want stacking is the main thing. So it depends on the shape of the lot, but our sort of magic numbers, we want to make sure we have space for from the window where they actually get their coffee in the drive-through to where the line will be like in the main like public pathway. We want like 18 to 20 cars or more. It's kind of our minimum. So anything less than that, we, we have to really take a closer look and see, hey, you know, if we think this store is going to be doing top line revenue of like two and a half million plus, like, are we going to get in trouble with the city because our line's going to be out in the road and, you know, we are fast, but it becomes an issue. It can become an issue. Well, so this, I mean, this is kind of showing like, 
I mean, I've never opened a drive through coffee concept. So like those questions were in my head, but I guess as you probably opened that back to like your story with the first store, these are probably the things you're like, ah, shit, I have to answer that. Wow. So you needed to have 18. The, so the drive through can be at least like 18 to 20 cars deep, potentially. Yeah. Only like weekends. I mean, that's a very, that happens constantly on the weekends, especially that there'll be that many waiting. So that's. Yeah. I was just going to ask that like wait time. Is it super long? Because like, for instance, in Trader Joe's, there's usually like, this is totally different. And I'm just thinking about my grocery shopping on Sundays. But like in Trader Joe's, like the line, you'll look at it and be like, oh my God, it's long. It's zigging and zagging. But they actually move you through it like within five minutes. It's really not bad at all. So is it kind of like that for you guys where it's a long line, but it's not like, like if I saw 20 cars at Dunkin', I'm not stopping. That's going to take me an hour. Well, that's why speed is such a huge, huge part of what we do because we need to instill confidence in the consumer, our customers, to be like, hey, if there are 20 cars in line, because I've been there before, I know it. If I'm that 21st car, I know I'll probably be out of there in like 20 minutes, you know, which is still a long time to wait, but they'll have an idea, like a reference point. So that's kind of our target is once we get orders taken in, the car should be moving like every minute. That's kind of a good target. Yeah, honestly, that's the worst. It's just when you're in a drive-through line and you're just like not moving. Yeah. But also like from a franchisee's perspective, I mean, that that's a great problem to have if you have a bunch of cars in the drive-through because that means people want to buy your product. So yeah, kudos to you guys for, you know, kind of getting to that level. Well, so when you guys kind of jumped into franchising, which that's like within the last year, right? You've like begun franchising and offering it to- Yeah, like- this month almost, it was the month that we were like, okay, let's do it. Maybe in December last year, we decided to. Yeah, we were kind of anti at the beginning for several reasons, which I don't know if you guys care about or not, but uh, we, we didn't want to do it at first. And then we realized it was the route for us to go that made the most sense right now. Franchise owners, are you struggling to hire for your restaurants? Wise Hire makes it easy. Expert hiring coaches plus world-class tools and resources take the hard work out of hosting job ads, screening candidates, scheduling interviews, and more. Plus, you'll save time and money. For the right hire, for every location, every time, choose WiseHire. Visit wisehire.com pod to learn more. That's W-I-Z-E-H-I-R-E dot com slash pod. Well, so I'm interested in that because I think part of what I try to do, which obviously you guys are franchising now. So, but uh, you know, a lot of, I think outsiders typically have like preconceived notions of a franchise and they just think of McDonald's and royalties and that, you know, it's a bad model and this or that. But yeah, so what was pushing you away from it at first? It was mainly just, we were so obsessed with every little detail. Like we would do psychotic things in the beginning, you know, we still do. But like when Cali was being built as an example, the first time, like I would go down there at like 3 a.m. when there was no roof, there was just like concrete walls. I'd bring a broom and I'd just start sweeping it out. It made no sense. Absolutely no sense. <laughs> <laughs> we're so obsessed. Yeah, we're like, this is this does nothing good for us. But I mean, that so that's the level of detail where I just to give you an idea of like where our heads were. And then the thought of like having someone who had that much kind of control over it, even though obviously everything's regulated, we can come in and say, hey, you're not you're trying to serve. Like, what is this? You know, you can't have that. Yeah, we still were just worried about it, that, that people would not get the perfect experience. That was kind of our main goal. quality control. Yeah, quality control is everything. Though. 
But then we evolved, we grew, and we realized, look, we have so many amazing employees now who can fill that role, who can be our quality control team, our regional management team, who can make sure everything's running. Because our ideal in any franchise, really, right, is that if you as a consumer go to a store, you don't know if it's a corporate store or franchise store. It should just be like, I went there, I had a great experience, the product was awesome, and I left. I'm super stoked about it. Like, Yeah. I mean, we just, and we just had to, like, that's part of our journey is just letting go of that, like, perfectionist in, in us and, like, that obsession that every single detail has to be perfect and has to be done by us. We've just had to learn to let go a little bit of that in order to grow and just know that every time we grow we're just like sprinkling that cali magic you know in, in a different community and it's worth it every single time so otherwise there's other ways to grow but for us um it just made the most we kind of said too like yeah i mean every cali that opens in a community we've seen the impact it has on every community every store we have like there's just so much buzz around it people send us the craziest messages about how it's changed their lives like what they post is truly incredible and so like we're very proud of that. that's probably the, the number one thing we're most proud of is like the impact we have on individuals, on communities. And so we're like, I'm a firm believer in if you can recreate little ripples, like a lot of little ripples, it's more effective than doing like one big ripple somewhere else. And so we're like, well, every store that opens, every Cali that opens in every city, we're going to be able to replicate that. It's going to make a difference, you know, on some level. So franchising was the way for us to do it because we just didn't have enough capital to really do it by ourselves. And then we met a lot of our franchisees that we have signed on are amazing. And some are operators, some are more kind of behind the scenes and they're going to, but they're all very open to learning. They're all very excited. They're, they're eager to, to learn the way and they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They like our wheel and they're like, let me hop on that and yeah. help, help me get to where you guys are doing. Yeah. It's awesome. No, I, I think it raises a, a good point in that just like franchising, it's a very like low capital way to expand. And that's the reality for like brick and mortar businesses is, if you have some type of proof of concept and you want to grow, you have three options basically, which is, you know, take on debt if you can get a loan, which is stressful and, you know, risky. And then venture capital, which like Starbucks, you know, Howard Schultz is famous for, you know, I think he got rejected by like 200 plus VCs before he got a yes to expand Starbucks. And then the other route, right, is franchising where you offload and outsource the capital to all your franchise operators. So it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful model for that reason, but um, I'm curious. So I totally get the like obsession with the brand and like you guys just obviously have invested so much time and effort into it that it, it probably is, it's scary, right? To kind of let someone else run it, you know, it, when you're franchising, but my take on it all, and I think actually this, so we had a founder, her name's Brianna Keefe. She runs a franchise and founded a franchise called Toastique out of Washington, D.C. And she had like similar fears. She's like, I don't want to franchise this. Like, I, this is my baby. Like, you know, uh, I can't necessarily, it's going to be hard to trust someone to run it as a franchisee. But she kind of realized after like looking into it more that the incentives actually align. Um, I think like the kind of caveat or the disclaimer by the asterisk is like, as long as you kind of have like a smart, savvy operator, but like the game changer is that if someone's putting up, you know, however much money it costs to build the franchise, like they're going to want, like they have their own skin in the game where they really want to do things the way you're telling them to do it because that's how they're going to make money. So that's where I think if you dig a level deeper for, you know, folks just evaluating franchises, that's where like, it actually, you know, everyone thinks of like, this scene in the founder from the move, you know, if you've seen that, which is about the Ray Kroc from McDonald's, where like 
he goes to his first franchisee's location in Arizona and it, they're selling like fried chicken and stuff. And he's like, what the heck? Like we need burgers, like burgers. But like, that's a little bit Hollywood, like nine out of 10 times, you get a smart person. They're not going to try to do things differently. So yeah. Is it, did you guys kind of eventually come to that or was it something else that just got you over the hump? I think we were super lucky to get a lot of people that applied initially. I think the first week we announced we were franchising, we had like over like 300 applications in, in a week or two. Yeah, it was crazy. So we had a, ton, a yeah. ton of interest. And then it was just trusting our gut and like knowing the type of person that, you know, we wanted to take over. And we do have a couple that is opening a single unit up in Stewart. And they are like the dream, like, you know, me and Craig, like, copy paste us. They're going to put like, their <laughs> they're like moving their family up there. I mean, they are just going to be phenomenal. And we have so much trust in that, but that's very hard to find. So then the other way that we were confident was like you said, when someone was putting a lot of money and putting a lot of skin into the game, then that just makes you feel like confident that they're going to be going to care about it and do a good job with it. 300 applications in a week. That's insane. There's emerging franchisors on this. And there's probably folks listening to this that, um, maybe want to start a franchise one day. I mean, how'd you market the opportunity? Like, was it literally just in your store and on your website? Or? You won't believe. Yeah. yeah that was our- Instagram. One Instagram post, you know, and that was it. And people had reached out before that, but not a ton. You know, people would come by and be like, hey, I love what you're doing here. Like, are you guys looking at a franchise? And we were just like, nope, not in that way. <laughs> Got to shoot them. And then once we came around, which now, again, we're totally sold on the franchise model and we fully believe in it. And we think it can be a beautiful, beautiful thing for everyone. Then we were just like, hey, let's throw it out there. We, we gotten everything together um, to where we could present it. We'd gone through you know months with our attorney with that. And once we uh, announced it, the floodgates just kind of opened, but we really haven't marketed aside from that. And people always tell us like, yeah, you can go to like trade shows and, and all these kind of things. And But we just, now we don't have a, a need to, but. And we're lucky. And I think, I, I think that speaks to like the brand. And I think it speaks to how good of a job Craig did and creating something that out of the gate people thought was a franchise. Like they thought our first location was a franchise and that we were just franchisees. And they're like, oh, it started in California. Is that where it's from? How many locations? And we were like, no, this is it. This is our baby. This is the first one. And so I think when Craig was in the beginning, when he was like doing his the marketing material and the logo and the way it looked, he wanted it to look that professional. You know, he wanted people to think that. And that's exactly what happened. And I think that helped kind of build interest over the last couple of years of like, man, how do I get into this? I became kind of obsessed with branding. So I wanted ours to be like better than everybody else's, even though I'm this amateur, just learned how to, to do this kind of stuff guy trying to put it all together. But that was always the goal was to just make it look as professional as possible, as legitimate as possible. And uh, I don't want to say fake until you make it, but just create that. And then everything kind of fell into place behind it. No, I mean, dude, uh, both of you guys, like serious, I'm not just saying this. Cause, I mean, I, basically for a living, just look at franchise brands all day. And um, I mean, your branding is phenomenal. Um, so you got a real talent for it. We do have help. I don't want to describe, we have a great web guy. We've got a lot of people who help us now, but. Well, yeah, I mean, just, I'll tell you, it drives me crazy. Sometimes, you know, I land on websites for franchises that they're not even secure. They don't even have that little like lock icon. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, there's little things like that. Uh, me too, man. He, like, me go too. out to eat and, like, if you go out to eat and then you have, like, a typo, like, on the menu. He's like, how could this happen? <laughs> <laughs> if it, like, drives me insane. Or the spacing's inconsistent. The spacing, it's... if it's not consistent, he's, like, super open. Wow. I love how in deep you guys are. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. But 
I do also like, I mean, the proof is in the pudding in that the fact that as soon as you open it up for franchising, you had just a long line of people waiting already. I mean, that speaks of, to me. It's like, A, as a, you're clearly like resonating with your customers at a minimum because you're basically turning them into wannabe franchise owners. Like they love your brand so much that they want to be a part of it. So that's just amazing validation. I, I'm not going to lie. Like that did, that was kind of nice because we posted it and we weren't expecting much, but I was, you know, deep down, you're kind of like, man, I hope people actually care about this. And so it, it was kind of validating like, hey, what we're doing, there's got to be something to it. Let's keep rocking it. You know, it was, it was inspiring. So I agree with you. That's fantastic. Um, and, and so since you've only, you're, you're pretty new into the franchising aspect, but how's that been? And, and I'm curious from like your guys' perspective as founders and operators of the corporate stores, but now it's like you have this whole new division basically. And I often, you know, if founders of, or people looking to franchise their concept, I kind of say is like, hey, it's almost like starting a second business because it's a totally different ball game of finding operators, you know, needing a CRM and doing franchise sales and marketing and walking people through what's typically like a two to six month sales cycle. So yeah, what's that been like? Yeah, I, I mean, you're 100% right. Like our roles in the company have, have vastly shifted because we worked in the store so many days in a row and that was the grind, right? Every day and we loved it. Like I, we started this company because I fell in love with making drinks, talking to customers, serving people. Like the whole interaction was why we started the business. It wasn't to build this, you know, giant company that is everywhere. And so once you start to shift, you're like, dang, like I need, our roles need to shift because if we don't do that, Who's going to do it? So we're so lucky to have the crew that we have, like the employees we have. I think we have over 140 employees now yeah. um, amongst three stores or close to it. You know, we have seasonal ones because they go to college. Yeah, but they come back and uh, there's so many people who have like, I'm so impressed with them because not only are like, they're just the best, you know, in general, but they have, a lot of them have seen where Cali can go. They're like, okay, like they, you hear so many stories about like companies at the ground level and where people can go if they get into the ground level and all that. And so a lot of our employees are, they were sort of going to school, but they didn't know why, or they were in a job that they didn't like. And so they came over here to try this out. And then they've kind of realized like, and asked us like, Hey, like, can I grow with you guys? Like, I don't know what I want to do in 10 years. Can I, what if I'm with Cali? And we're like, you're awesome. Yes. I want to repay <laughs> 30 more of you. Just building an army, like a soldier, this team of like excited young people who can do it, you know? So that's amazing to us. And then it creates more opportunities. So now, like you said, it creates a franchising. Well, now we can have job opportunities for these people who are like, I want to make like serious cash. We're like, there are going to be spots where you can do that. Just hang in there. We're growing all the time and, and we're going to need people to fill these roles. And it's pretty incredible that yeah. aspect of it. And that's like he said, it's, it's allowed us to finally like step off of bar, off making drinks and be so confident that really nothing has changed. Like, I mean, you read our reviews now of people just raving about the customer service or they'll shoot us an Instagram message and say, hey, Cali Coffee, I was just at the shop. I was having a really bad day and the girl taking my order noticed and she bought my drink. And she's like, I broke down in tears because that's- No way. I've never heard of that before. That's amazing. Yeah, so we do that all the time and we're just like, God, like that's, you know, those are our babies, that's our staff. Like it makes us so proud because- it's like, you know, we don't need to be there and they're just killing it and doing exactly what, you know, we hope it and dream happens every single moment in Cali. So they're uh, incredible. Yeah. Sounds. Yeah. I mean, I want to go to one now. This sounds like I know, awesome. I'm going to buy you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the best. But it, yeah, it starts from just like, you know, leading by example over the last couple of years and just 
they've learned the ways and they get so excited and it's such a rewarding job for them that when they come to work, they're so excited to make people stay and make them smile. It's just the best. Yeah. And I mean, coffee is like, I mean, especially if it's the morning and you haven't had one yet, like that's kind of like you take that first sip and you're like, okay, it's going to be, it's I'm okay. We're like therapists, honestly, for people. Like we have customers that come three, four times every day. Um, mainly just to talk to us and talk to our staff and our staff, you know, someone will pull up and they'll say like, Hey, like how did Jimmy do on his test? How was his baseball game? Like they know everything. No way. And that that's in a drive through interaction. Oh yeah. 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 In like two minutes, it's, it's so like the quick. best conversation you'll ever have. Yeah. That is unbelievable. It's an art, man. Cause they, some of our employees are so good at talking to people that they can go on forever. They can carry on like a 20 minute conversation with every person, yeah. but there's, 13 cars behind that person. So they have to know how to start a conversation, how to keep it going, but also how to, to kind of wrap it up because we do need to still go fast yeah. to, to get the product out too. Yeah, that's like in our training manual of like the balance of that because he's right. They, they love talking with people and they, they care so much. They're not just saying, how's your day? Because they have to. They're saying, how's your day? Because they, they want to know how their day is and they want to know what's going on in their life. But then Craig said they have to kind of like look at the line and be like, okay, and like kind of wrap it up. So it's an art, yeah. Damn. That's so cool. I've just never, I'm not, like, I would categorize just broadly, like, you guys fall into, like, you know, the QSR, you know, quick service type concept, right? And that level of service and hospitality is, other than Chick-fil-A, it's pretty much unheard of. Especially in South Florida, it's, I mean, I think that's part of really what made us, like, blow up was people noticing that and being excited. That's really true. So our our service, I think, would be top-notch anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, but... The contrast between what is considered normal or acceptable in Florida, man, it's it's crazy. Like, really? Yeah, it's almost like you go to a place and half the time you're like doing them a favor by going there. And in Oregon, in California, like the West Coast, it's just sort of like customer service is mandatory. Like you got to do it. And then we elevate it, you know, to the next degree. But uh, here, they're so used to just being treated like poorly or, or sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm doing service by, by being here as a patron that they're like, like we used to get it all the time. We'd be in line taking orders. They'd be like, okay, first of all, you guys are not from here, right? Yeah, and like, you're not from here. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of the East coast way. We're just pretty mean to each other. I don't, I don't know why. They used to, but they appreciate once they get service, they're not like, they're kind of weirded out at first. Like, okay, what's wrong with you? Why are you asking? <laughs> yeah. Me yeah. It's like, like what's the catch here? Is this going to yeah. cost a hundred dollars or something? Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> the time, but then they're, they come back the next day and they're like, well, little more peppy and they're kind of like a little more engaging and then by a weekend you turn them and they're like yeah then you got them wow all right and i guess just on the note of like your guys day-to-day like have you removed yourself for the most part from like the like actually being in the store because like you're on the phone with franchisees or like what does that look like yeah sadly yeah i'm mean, pretty much his birthday was last week and he had to like beg for a shift on his birthday. i begged for work and they gave it to me yeah our, they need hours. Our staff needs hours. Like they are the ones that should be there, like in the shop making the drinks. Um, we're in the shops every day, still just stopping by. Like we walk in and we're like, "What's up, guys?" I mean, we're very so involved still because we live within 20 minutes of every single one of our shops. So we're so hands on in that way. But yeah, we're not in the store making drinks now. So it's the emails and the phone calls and meeting up with franchisees and you know going over d- different things operationally, um, visiting stores that are being built and almost open. So every day is kind of different, which is amazing because him and I can't sit still for more than five seconds. So that's how it has to be for us. Yeah. 
transition out was kind of odd. Like there was a time when we were like, we needed to be stepping out of the business and working more on the business, you know, and it was a hard pill to swallow. And there would be times where though, after a shift, like we worked like an eight to 12 morning shift. And by like 12, 15, when we got off, we check our phones and we had all these missed calls, all these missed emails. And some of them were pressing, you know, some could wait, but some couldn't. And it's like, like our value really became more on being there to answer those expeditiously versus being there where we could have an employee create a job for someone else and they can do just as good a job as we can and be there and do the same thing. And then we can do the emails. Cause again, if Rose and I are answering those emails or those calls, nobody else is. And so yeah. we sort of had to, to graduate to that. I don't want to say graduate, but just shift our role it's, into something it's else. It's such a shift. I always say it's like, first you start a business and then you build a company. It's like, it, that's the shift. That's a really good line. Yeah. That, that's the stage that we're in right now. And it's, it's so exciting. It's just the best. It's awesome. That was fire. Um, I know. Together that <laughs> Sorry. I just like made it not cool by calling it out. Um, but anyway, all right. I mean, guys, seriously, this is, uh, it's been a fun conversation. Like, you know, we didn't talk financials, but all the, what I would call like qualitative data. I mean, it sounds off the charts. So um, congrats to you guys and what you've done. I, I'm super excited to kind of see how you guys do over the next few years. And yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Where can folks who want to follow, you know, your brand or you guys individually, uh, is there any good spots online where they can do that? Yeah, so our website, calicoffee.com is, you can find all sorts of information, our menu uh, locations and uh, franchising information too is down in the footer on the website. And then our Instagram is where you'll see most of the fun stuff. And that's just at Cali Coffee. Okay. Um, yeah, Craig and Rose, thanks again. Everyone will plug those links in the show notes to their website and to the Instagram. And Craig and Rose, we'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, thanks for having us, man. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen.